Shabbat Shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And we come in to chapter 5 this Shabbat. Bless one another in the chat there today. Bless one another. Let me turn my volume up a little. There we go. And um, make those connections. Make those connections. We come into this fifth chapter. I'm excited to be able to delve straight into the word of Yahuwah today, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Chapter 5, and of course the infamous chapter here, lying to the Ruach HaKodesh, lying to the Holy Spirit, we come across these two characters, Ananias and Sapphira. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, they sold a field. And they kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also knowing it. So they had brought a certain part, and they laid it at the Shlechim, the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Ruach HaKodesh, to keep back part of the price of the field? While it remained in your care, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it also not under your own authority? Why then have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to Yahweh. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the Ruach. And great fear came on all those that had heard these things. And the young men arose, they wrapped him up, and they carried him out, and they buried him. And it was about three hours later when his wife, not knowing what had happened, came in. Lying to the Ruach HaKodesh. This is what we're talking about in this fifth chapter. We're talking about money. Money, money, money. That's what we're talking about. And this particular passage, at this particular time in our life, really is amazing that it would coincide as we come into this first Roman week of the year, unprecedented times in which we live in. Here we have these corrupt individuals that something was birthed within their heart to pretend to give something, yet in reality they were holding a whole lot more back. They were lying to the Ruach HaKodesh, but today we are finding that it is the world that is being lied to. The whole world is being lied to, and the ones that are controlling the money are pretending to do one thing with it whilst holding back the greater part for the massive play that they're making this year. This is unprecedented to me that it would come at such a time as this. When you see that Ananias and Sapphira is offering you $600, well, when actually I'm going to offer you 2000 Is that better? And in reality, there is far more going on behind the scenes. 
But we've become such a debtor society, such, such a society that is breaking the commandments of Yahuwah, such an abominable society which is rooted in covetousness, desiring something. That's the root of all of this right here is covetousness, that people have become so a part of this kind of nonsense that it's very difficult to free their minds. I said to my son the other day, I said to him, how would you feel about it if I went out and I took out a loan in your name for $100,000 that you were surety for that loan and then I'm going to give you $1,000 in Federal Reserve notes and you can do with it whatever you want. Does that sound like a good plan to you? And he looked at me and he's like, well, no. I said, why not? He said, because I'd be in debt for $99,000 and you only gave me 1000 I said, well, that's exactly what they've done to the American people. $2.2 trillion and it's surety on your labor. Your labor is surety for that. Your social security numbers is surety for that debt. And you're going to get 600 bucks or 2000 No, you're indebted to whoever holds the debt. And we know that that is the Chinese. So they're going to come calling if they can flip the script of the politicians on that debt this year. And that's what this big play is all about. It's a massive, massive fraud on the people. Just like here, it was a massive, massive fraud on the people. Our biggest daily conflict is not with the New World Order. Our biggest daily conflict isn't with Satan. It isn't with the Wu flu. Our biggest daily conflict is with our stuff, with our money, with our possessions, selfishness, covetousness, greed. Our biggest daily conflict is with our own nature. That's what this is all about. I mean, I hope that they will, like Ananias and Sapphira, that they will wrap up the, the Bidens, that they will wrap them up and send them over to the Ukrainians to deal with them. I hope so, because what just happened on December 25th, Aaron's going to tell us a little about that. And that's on the record, and now that's public. But you're not hearing about that type of thing. You see, what we're dealing with here is the nature of man. 
in chapter 5 and today played out before us all in the world in which we live. But the reason that people aren't kicking up a fuss is because they've bought into this whole system of greed, debt, and covetousness. And that's what I want to talk about today. Either we are going to serve and surrender our lives unto Yahuwah, or we're going to serve and surrender our lives to covetousness, which is mammon, which is greed. So in a time when so many are discontent, which they are, you have to admit, so many people are discontent right now, you have to realize that it is covetousness that fuels the flames of discontent. It's covetousness. Wanting and desiring something that you don't have will actually flame your discontentment and make you feel so much worse, which tells you what? That this is a spiritual issue. This is a spiritual issue. Because our war is not against flesh and blood, but principalities and those powers in high places. And right now, we're dealing economically with those principalities and powers in high places that are playing the Ananias and Sapphira on the world playground, if you will. There's nothing new under the sun. And if you're not aware of covetousness in your life, if you're not aware, then you will find that the flames of discontentment will be fanned, which is why you're having all of these riots in the streets, because the people that are doing it are very discontent. Why? Because they are covetousness. They have the sin of covetousness. Most of them are on welfare. Most of them are on benefits. And they hate and despise the people that have been successful in life. They want what corporate America offers, but they don't want to do the work to get it. Therefore, they expect the government to support them and their discontentment is a flame all over the cities in America. And those that have partnered with the Ananias and Sapphira spirit, those that have been stolen the election, flame those flames, fan those flames of discontent because it's all part of this spiritual war that we're in. Because it's really... You either serve Yahuwah or you serve Satan. Because it is Satan that got into their hearts, that made them say one thing and present you 600 or $2,000, when in reality they were holding back everything else. And it was within their power to do the right thing. It was within their power to do the right thing, but they decided to take a different path. If all you're aware of is what you don't have, it's going to fuel your discontentment. It's going to fuel your spending. 
It's going to fuel your debt. It's going to fuel your unhappiness because it's an appetite that can never be fully satisfied. Welcome to Antifa. Welcome to Black Lives Matter. It is fueled by discontentment and a perception of they have it all, I don't have it. I want it, which is covetousness, therefore I see what I don't have, therefore my discontentment now is open up to be played on by Ananias and Sapphira's spirit, if you will, and they will now fan those flames. And that is what you've seen in the streets of America and the world in 2020. And now we come into this new Roman year because really this is all coming to play out across the world. Beware of the fake giver. We saw that with the rich young ruler in Luke, chapter 18, verse 22. Don't live on the dark side of generosity. What do I mean? There's a massive homeless problem in downtown Salem. There's been one particular homeless person that has got a history of such drug abuse and prostitution, and we've called the police multiple, multiple, multiple times, spoken to care workers and all kinds of charities to try and get this person help. What we've seen is that this drug-addicted individual plays on all of the community, and people come along, and they give on the dark side of generosity. They give like the rich young ruler, which is the fake giver. What do I mean? We actually put a sign up on our business. Please do not give clothing or money to this individual because they will spend it on crack cocaine and they will end up throwing all of these nice clean clothes that you just bought into the street and they will be full of defecation by the end of the day. Go and give to a community that will help somebody. But this person needs to be arrested and put into treatment. Does not need money. And we got lambasted for saying that. Oh, you don't care. I'm like, no, we do care. We care so much that we don't want fake givers coming down here because the reason that you're giving is because you're not generous. You're giving for a different reason, to make you feel better about your ungenerosity. What? Because if you're truly generous, then you give unto Yahuwah because it's already his. But fake givers, they have this sense of ownership. And when they give, it's not because they're generous. They give it for their own selfish reasons, to make them feel good about themselves. Pride. Oh, you see what I did? Or for show. That is all part of this Ananias and Sapphira spirit. And that is what needs to be rooted out 
pulled down because if you want to thrive, not just survive in this next season, then we need to be right when it comes to money before Yahuwah. So don't live on the dark side of generosity because debt, debt makes your spiritual life paper thin. Debt makes your spiritual life paper thin. The rich young ruler chose to fail at generosity and he had all the resources to accomplish it. Look at verse 2. Ananias and Sapphira, they had brought a certain part and they laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan, so the problem is spiritual, isn't it? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to keep back part of the price of the field? While it remained in your care, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your own authority? When you can say, well, look, well, they had extra. I don't have extra. Times are hard, especially in 2020. I don't have extra to give. Well, why not? And you'll find the answer is usually debt. Because of debt. You see, once we take possession, immediately the value goes down and the price goes up with debt, doesn't it? Once you take possession, immediately the value plummets, yet the interest, the price goes up. That's why debt is so bad. Because you think you possess it, yet it possesses you. It's a spiritual thing because it's rooted in covetousness. Debt is a covetous issue. It's not a money issue. It is not a, oh, well, I, I had to, you know, I had to go to the payday loans because I couldn't. Well, why did you have to go to the payday loans? Well, wait, wait, wait. well hang on a minute. Debt is an issue of covetousness. Debt is not an issue of money. Debt is a discontentment issue, not a money issue. It's a spiritual issue. You've placed your trust in riches, not in the one who richly provides. You've got no margin. You're living on the edge. And you've put your trust in riches, not in the one who richly provides. So we have to think about this because the Ananias and Sapphira system is all about playing on your covetousness, which is now not lying to the Ruach HaKodesh in 2020 and 2021. It is lying to the American people. And people have played into it because they have been consumed by consumer debt. 
that they're spiritually blind to the reality of what's happening right before your faces. Debt equals discontentment. Discontentment equals a limited margin. And a limited margin means you're living on the edge. To be generous or to be dead. It's that simple. To be generous or to be dead. That's a total loss. That's a complete loss. That's total wipeout for those who aren't rich unto Yahuwah. It's that simple. Look at verse 4. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? It's a spiritual issue. It's not a money issue. I've met some amazingly generous people. The first generous person that I really impacted my life was in 1991 on the streets of Hollywood Boulevard. And I arrived in Los Angeles and I had 25 cents in my pocket. And I hadn't eaten since San Francisco. I was so hungry. And I remember looking at a semi that was unhitched and that was where I was going to sleep and spend the night, my first night in Los Angeles. And I was sitting on the curb outside a plaid pantry, and I must have looked a wreck. Because I was thinking about sleeping under a semi. And this guy came out of plaid pantry, and he had a loaf of white bread, a bunch of meat, and sliced cheese. And he was another homeless guy. And he looked at me, and he was generous. He wasn't rich, but he was rich in his generosity and sat down next to me and literally shared all of his food with me. And I was so taken aback by that generosity. It really impacted me because I was in a very desperate situation. And that made me realize you don't need to be rich to be generous. You need to be richly generous unto Yahuwah and you will find that you will be free from this thing called covetousness. It's not a money issue. It's a spiritual issue. Everything that comes our way is not for our consumption. Everything that comes our way is not for our consumption now. And it's not for our consumption later. And it's not for our children. And it's not all for our grandchildren. There has to be an adjustment and a component of the heart that must be calibrated and it's being rich unto Yahuwah. 
That's the component that needs to be adjusted and calibrated. That was the downfall of Ananias and Sapphira. That was the downfall of the rich young ruler. Money, mammon, if you will, it cannot be like air, total consumption. Even food, even water is not for your total consumption. We're even in the Bible, we're told to do what? We're told to fast. Why? Because even food and water aren't for total consumption. So how much more mammon? For us to be spiritually healthy, we have to not totally consume. That is so important. We have been trained to live like owners. We have been trained to be consumers. If you live like an owner and you live like a consumer, spiritually, you will not thrive. Because the Bible teaches us to live differently. We're to live as sharecroppers, land stewards. We're managers. That's all we are. We're managers. What do I mean? A sharecropper says, just because it comes my way doesn't mean that it belongs to me. That's a lot different from a consumer and that's a lot different from an owner. A sharecropper says, just because it comes my way doesn't mean that it belongs to me. <sighs> that frees the heart from covetousness. And it frees your whole life. What we do with our extra is a reflection of our heart. Right? Who controls your heart? Either Yahweh or Satan. What do you do with the extra? Look at Luke chapter 12, verse 15. I hope you're getting what I'm laying down because this is so important for this next season, not only spiritually, but in this world in which we live. Because the Communist Chinese Party own the debt based upon covetousness, based upon apparent ownership, you're going to have a surf society because people, their hearts are full of wickedness. This is a spiritual issue. This isn't a money issue. Luke chapter 12, verse 15. And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Take pause. Remember the jumpers of 1929, infamously, that we've all heard about? We had the roaring 20s. And a hundred years later, look at where we're at. You think the jumpers of 1929 was going to be, was crazy? 
you see what's going to happen in 2021. Youth, you, I mean, unprecedented times. You consume it now or you save it to consume it later in retirement with that kind of stinking thinking. It's a consumer mindset. Well, it's all mine. I'll either consume it now or I'll save it and I'll consume it later in retirement. Oh, maybe I'll bequeath it to my kids. Well, maybe I'll bequeath it to my grandkids. That is a life consisting solely of the abundance of possessions. That is not the life that Yahweh has for us. What do we do with our extra? Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man, it produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, "Mm, well, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my extra. What am I going to do with all my extra? And he said, oh, I know what I'll do. I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my extra. And I will say to my soul, soul, oh, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But Yahweh said to him, you fool, this night, total loss, total wipeout, a total loss because of covetousness, because you live like a consumer. Your soul is required of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they really be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward Yahweh. You see, unlike Ananias and Sapphira, we don't actually see immediate effects. Not yet. Meaning our current economical situation is not an immediate reflection of our behavior. It is the consequence of our past habits in multiplication. You didn't get where you're at today without a reason. It is a consequence of your past habits in multiplication. Think about it. That's called personal responsibility. That's a scary thing, isn't it? And you say, well, that's not fair, Matthew. You don't know. Well, the law of fairness is a doctrine of devils. Finances don't follow the rule of fairness. They never did. That's called communism. And we don't do that. Well, apparently, (laughs) they say we don't do that. But it seems that's the way the world's going, isn't it? Fairness is not what this is about. It's about being balanced. Getting everything balanced. You want to get your finances balanced, but you don't want them to be fair. 
That's communism. And we don't actually want fair, really, do we? Think about it. I don't want fair. I want opportunity. I want freedom. I want the opportunity to make mistakes and to make successes. Just give me the opportunity. Get out of my way and let me be a sharecropper. Don't restrict me. Just get out of my way. Give me the opportunity to bring in a harvest. But the fairness doctrine, which is communism, is all about ownership and possession. And you really own and possess nothing. It's a total loss, a wipeout to the Chinese Communist Party, which is the fairness doctrine, which is a spiritual root of Luciferism or Luciferism or whatever. You know what I'm saying. Look at verse 7. Because it was about three hours later then when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in and Peter asked her, tell me whether you sold the field um, for this much. And she said, well, yes, um, for this much. And then Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Ruach, the spirit of the master Yahweh? Do you see the feet of those who have buried your husband? They're at the very door, and they shall carry you out. Then she fell down at his feet immediately and yielded up the spirit. And the young men came in, and they found her dead. And they carried her out and buried buried her next to her husband. You see, money and generosity, it's ours to manage, but we don't possess it. We don't possess it. Look in Acts chapter 20, verse 20 with Paul. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you it is more blessed to give than to receive. The total opposite of the fifth chapter exemplified in the Apostle Paul. Money and generosity. It's not a moment-in-time transaction. And that's what people miss. Oh, 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 here comes the plate. Let me see if I can give you some, put some money in. It looks good, doesn't it? That's a moment-in-time transaction. That's not generosity. Oh, oh, there's a homeless person. Oh, let me, oh, I'm going to give him some money right now. That, that, that's not generosity. That's a moment-in-time transact. That's not at all what the Bible teaches. What the Bible teaches is generosity is an outcome of a lifestyle that brings about happiness. It's not a moment-in-time transaction. It is pre-planned. Generous people, they plan it. That's the difference. It is not a moment in time transaction. It's an outcome of a lifestyle that brings about happiness. 
If you order your life around generosity, happy is the person whose life is ordered around giving rather than receiving. How? What's Luke 12? The rich man and the bigger barns. Save it now and consume it later, you fool. Not for being rich, but he assumed it was his consumable, disposable income. And it wasn't. Yahuwah says, I require it now. There you have it. He wasn't a fool for being rich. Oh, he was a fool for the assumption that it was his personable, consumable income. And it wasn't. Yahuwah required it now. That is why he was the fool. That is why so many are fools today. Because they are not living the way the Bible tells us to live. And what happened? Somebody else got it. Not because he was generous though, but because he was consumable, because he was disposable, and now he's dead. That's a total loss. That's a total wipeout. He consumed it all or he hoarded it all for future consumption, meaning he was not rich unto Yahuwah. 2021, total loss and wipeout for those that are not living the way they're supposed to be living. Generosity is not random acts of giving. It really isn't. Generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. Because Yahusha, in our life, should defy your sense of ownership. Yahusha, in your life, should defy our sense of ownership. Think about it. If it can be taken away, we never really owned it anyway, did we? If somebody else is going to possess it, we were never the owner. And if we cannot control where it ultimately goes, we don't own it, do we? We just steward it. We manage it. We're sharecroppers. So we manage temporarily. And if you can get that into your heads, then you'll never fall for the Ananias and Sapphira trap. We manage temporarily. That's the truth. Since it's all going to be taken away, we're not the pharaohs of old. And since it's all going to be taken away anyway, why would we miss the opportunity to give it away? Ownership is a myth. It's simply not true. The sharecropper is truth. Generosity transcends inspiration and guilt in five very important ways. Generosity transcends inspiration and guilt in five very important ways. 
Let's be generous. Let's be our brother's keeper. Because in 2021, we need to be our brother's keeper. Number one, it's a belief. Number two, that belief leads to a discipline. Number three, that then leads to you being able to give more, which then leads you to be able to save more, which then leads to you being able to consume less. Generosity transcends inspiration and guilt in five important ways. It's a belief, number one. Number two, that leads to a discipline. Number three, which allows you to give more. Number four, which allows you to save more. Number five, allows you to consume less. And when you get generosity, that's what brings about lasting happiness. This is important stuff. Because I was not taught this. I have been blessed to have it exemplified to me in life. But I was not taught this. And I made a lot, a lot of mistakes because I listened to consumerism. Oh, you need to go get a a house. You need to go get a mortgage. And I got too big a house and too big a mortgage when I didn't have the means for it. And I didn't know I was just bought into that whole thing because they never taught me this in the church. Which is why I still live in the same house that I did 20 years ago, which is my first house, because finally, after grafting and slaving away down the salt mines for 20 odd years, I can finally afford it. And people come out to my house and say, wow, how come you live here? You could be living. I'm like, (laughs) I'm not going back to that way of living again. Well, how come you roll around in that old wagon? (laughs) It's bought and paid for. Everything that's wrong with it, I know what's wrong with it. And I know how to fix it. And I've got a good mechanic who can fit. Oh, no, no, I'm not going back. That's all. That's that. that, No, 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 no way. Because I wasn't taught this in my earlier years. I've been exemplified it by generous people who live properly before the king as exemplified in scripture. That is what's important. So there's six takeaways. One, two, three, four, five. Six takeaways on generosity, okay? Number one, it is not spontaneous. It is strategic. You plan it. Plan it. Number one, generosity is not spontaneous. It takes away the emotional aspect of it. Give me, oh, oh, my poor person. I remember one time I had made this beautiful tuna sandwich. I was going to sit downtown in the sunshine and have my tuna sandwich for lunch. And I saw this, 
homeless person. They were the most filthy you'd ever seen. Just mud encrusted on their fingernails, digging around in the trash. And I thought, oh, I'm going to do a good deed. Now I know. I was just doing it because I'm selfish and I wanted to feel good about myself. But I didn't think about it at the time. I'm going to give him my sandwich. I don't need my sandwich. I went up to the guy. I was like, would you like something? Would you, would you like my lunch? I'm such a good guy, aren't I? So righteous. And he, he looked at me. And he's like, what is it? I was like, what, what do you mean, what is it? It's lunch. So well, well, what is it? I said, it's a sandwich. He's like, yeah, what kind of sandwich is it? I was like, I was, a, I was just astonished. I'm like, you're homeless and digging around in the trash? It's food. I'm like, it's a tuna sandwich. And he looked, and it's disgusting. And he's like, uh, okay. And he begrudgingly took it. And he opens it up, and he starts picking out the tomato. And I'm like, I couldn't believe it. That's the last time I ever did that. That was not strategic. That was not generous. <laughs> that was an emotional giving which was fueled by my selfishness of wanting to feel good about myself. I'm just being honest. I'm just a man just like you, and we make mistakes. But once we make those mistakes, we don't do it again, and we learn to do things properly. Number one, generosity is not spontaneous, therefore it is less emotional. It is strategic. There has to be a plan to it. Plan. Number two, Generosity is not determined by your cash flow. Generous people are consistently generous. It is not determined by their cash flow. That's an excuse. Number three, the widow's might. It's not the amount that counts. Generous people give by percentage, not by amount. The amount does not count. Number four, not all rich people are generous. Rich people are rich and generous people are generous. And there is no natural correlation between the two. Believe me. I grew up around a lot of rich, ungenerous people. So don't put off generosity today because you're striving to become rich tomorrow. Because there is no correlation, there is no excuse. That's a myth. Number five, the generosity equation. The strategic, planned unbridling of mammon. The generosity equation is the strategic, you're planning for it, unbridling, let it go, of mammon. It'll make you feel better, but it won't be an emotional act. It will be a strategic plan that will free you from the captivity of Ananias, Ananias and Sapphira. Number six, the unbridling of your mammon actually unbridles you. Look at the compassionate giver 
in Luke chapter 10, verse 35. Because that demonstrates to us that you should not fall into another trap. Don't permit inconvenience or expense to stop you from being generous. Giving is not generosity. Giving is spontaneous. Giving is often emotional. And it's often correlated to pride, selfishness, and guilt because you're not generous. So therefore you give to the homeless guy your tuna sandwich because you're not really generous. Right? That's wrong. Generosity is always strategic. It's been planned. And it unbridles you from mammon. If you want to break it down really succinctly to free you so that you can accomplish great things for the kingdom, strategic, you know where it's going. Planned, you know what percentage you're giving and how much. Unbridling of mammon, you're setting it free because you understand and want financial freedom. Because a lot of people are deceived and discontent because of debt and covetousness. Because debt is covetousness. And we live now in a society where they are thrusting more debt upon people because these people have become so greedy in covetousness, full of covetousness. And it hasn't been taught. And therefore, that is how they are getting away with it. I hope this helps you because, like I say, 2021, trillions upon trillions, the stock market at unprecedented highs. This is all the strategic plan of debt, covetousness, and slavery, and inciting and inflaming riots in the streets. And it's all a spiritual component that is being taken advantage on people that have never been taught to live biblically. We cannot be Ananias and Sapphira. We must be sharecroppers. Acts chapter 5 today teaches us a very important lesson to live right and to live right before Yahuwah today. To steward and manage but not to be consumers and to be abundantly good to our brothers and sisters by being our brother and sister's keeper but living as free men and women by setting your possessions free from yourself. Let's have a see what you've got to say in the chat on that. All right.
refresh here and uh, see if I've got you up here in the chat. Interesting. Okay, if you want me to get you, red line here, red line here in the chat. I hope you all had a good week, a good week out there. Shiloh says, if one can't measure something, one can't manage it. To be able to be measure the speed of gravity is to manage the understanding that it is the same as the speed of light. I'm hungry. All right. Oh, Julia says to Aaron, Aaron, would you kindly repeat what you said at the beginning? We could not hear you. I noticed that the microphone was cutting in and out a little bit. Maybe you didn't have it right up onto your mouth a little bit. Is it on now? Oh, that's better, it? isn't it? Okay. That's good. Yes. Aaron, tell us what we, we opened up about that. Yes. Okay, yes. So uh, on December 25th, the uh, Ukrainians had a press conference, and apparently they completed their investigation uh, uh, that they tried that Biden tried to shut down five years ago or so uh, on them. And they've they've found apparently they have the evidence that that to, in order to get that billion dollars from the U.S., there was agreements made to siphon millions of dollars back to the Biden family into uh, accounts, offshore accounts, whatever. Uh, maybe even more than what we've heard about just being paid to Hunter. And that was a f that that came out December twenty fifth. Yeah, that was December twenty fifth. You can find it on YouTube. They apparently they just had a a follow up conference on the twenty seventh, I guess, as well. That was even longer, and it's uh, all in Ukrainian. They they have English subtitles, so you can follow along. All right, there you go, Julia. Sorry about that. The microphone didn't pick it up. Bruce Scott says, and this is a good one here, Matthew, if the U.S. is indeed $28 trillion in debt, we all owe 475000 per person to China. Is that about right? That is about the sum of it there, Bruce. And I'll tell you what you can go to, very interesting, is usdebtclock.com, live-time debt just shows you exactly what's going on. And remember this date, March 9th, 1933. You guys check it out and figure that one out for yourself, and you will find that you just jumped down into the rabbit hole of Alice in Wonderland. But I'll leave that adventure for you because it's all coming to a head. It's the Ananias and Sapphira spirit of 2021. Diesel Grandpa says, I definitely needed that message. Ah, oh, bless you, brother. I'm loving a paid, oh, I'm loving a paid for truck now. Anyone want to buy a boat or a Corvette? <laughs> well, Diesel Grandpa did have a really nice big diesel Ram truck that he did sell and bought a beautiful, I really like your new truck, which is old, but paid for new. I really like it. I, I got to tell you, it's a nice, nice blue. And um, it doesn't have that key scratch in the side, you see. So anyway, yeah, I know how that's going. 
Good on you. Mark Schroy says, what do you make of this Nashville madness? Are you trying to get us banned from YouTube? I mean, we are backing this stuff up to bit shoot, but I can't talk about that right here. They'll be pulling me off before you know it. That is one of those after hours, late when you fall out the window type of thing. Conversations. Carlos the Goose Man says debt is modern day slavery. Well, it always has been. It's not necessarily modern. It's just, um, it's very easy for a covetous, a covetous society to um, fall into that. So, yes, definitely seeing that more and more. And much more truth says Great Reset World Economic Forum says you'll own nothing and like it. Exactly. Um, what is that movie? Ready Real Player One. It was a Steven Spielberg movie. Um, very interesting. It's all right there laid out for you. If you can see through it, at the end of the day, you end up in a shipping container playing um, virtual reality coins and tokens so that you can get out of um, the prison system. Um, and the only way for you really to get out of the matrix, if you will, is you've got to play it backwards. You've got to totally get out of the paradigm because the paradigm is a luciferic system, which is all based upon debt. I mean, these are negotiable instruments. It's not money. They're negotiable instruments. You've got to learn to negotiate your own instruments. But that's another thing. Yeah, it's, it's just insane. <laughs> Once... Oh, wow. Yes, yes, yes. Too much to talk about on the YouTube. Too much to talk about on the YouTube. Giant Killer says, thank you for the teaching, Matthew. It definitely changed my view on generosity, how it needs to be planned out and not spontaneous. Yes, yes. And Julia says, Linda George said, Matthew, wow, that was a... A home run message. Thank you, brother. Praying for Passover, gathering together. Well, bless you guys. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Mama Goose says, as a young married couple, we are already in debt just living here. How do you suppose we get our lives started, like buying a home without more and more debt? Well, you know, I'm not an expert on um, breaking this all down for you. But for me, you know, i got to tell you, I think Dave Ramsey, I think he, he, he gives you the best starting out tips on how to do that. And my son is nodding away. He really enjoys listening to him. And you can, you know, love him or hate him, but he has got some good money advice. So I would um, institute um, Dave Ramsey's plan if, you're, if you um, want to be successful. And he is a Christian man, of course, that has got some great tips on financials. So that's what I would recommend. And I think that would really, really help a lot of you out there and be able to give you a little bit more in-depth protocols on how to to do that so cool yes all right what else we got here guys and girls give me something give me a red line here on the old chat you little monkeys <laughs> oh. 
I recognize the maxed headroom. What's that? What's that, Diesel Grandpa? I recognize the maxed headroom. What are you talking about? Are you talking about your truck? I don't know what Diesel Grandpa's talking about up there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. All right, we'll go. Brenda Robinson, Brenda Baruch Hashem Yahweh. She says Acts twenty four forty four and Acts four thirty two. Does this sound like communism? And had all things in common. They had all things common, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. Well, if it is done by the heart of man and it is implemented under tyranny, it has the veil of this, a veneer of this, but it is not so, right? That would be communism. This is a spiritual component done by the power of the Holy Spirit that, of course, is living with all things in common. Of course, communism takes what Brenda is talking about here and twists it. But in reality, communism isn't really equal distribution because there's always the ones that have more. They're just behind the scenes, right? For instance, case in point, you can't go into Times Square and celebrate New Year. Unless, of course, you're the mayor of New York, then you get to go in and dance on the stage with your wife and, and, and broadcast that. This is absolute tyranny. Everybody else isn't allowed to go, but those in power, they're right there. If you're Anderson Cooper and you, you know, you're um, Mayor de Blasio, then you're right there. And they've decimated New York, the mayor, right? and the governor. And they're right there. You see, that's communism. That's tyranny. All in the veil of keeping you safe. So, under the guise of keeping you safe. Anyway, interesting stuff, isn't it? Interesting stuff. Ah, oh, Modesto Gaza, how are you? And a blessing Shabbat Shalom to Modesto out there. He says, if the millennial period of Ezekiel was never attained, my belief, could this mean that the events prophesied in the book of Revelation may also be averted if nations repent? Somebody asked me a question like that similar the other day, um, specifically about America. You know, well, if the nation repents, and I just said, you know, I hear what you're saying, but I have a very hard time believing when we've gone. You know, we were just reading the other night about Manasseh, not 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 Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh, but King Manasseh. So many um, centuries later, and just how wicked and wicked and evil and abominable and the terrible things he was doing. But then he repented. And Yahweh restored him. It was pretty amazing when you look at the evils of what Manasseh was doing. And then you see how just how gracious and long-suffering Yahweh is. So you go, well, can the nation, if the nation repents, could we be restored? Well, when you've still got Roe versus Wade on, on, on the books, and when you've gone a nation, you've gone that far, I find that very hard to believe unless that is repented of. 
that you're ever going to get some kind of um, um, enlightenment and, and mercy. Because true repentance would mean that you would stop putting your children before the fires of Molech. Okay, otherwise that's not true repentance. I don't see this nation, this world being ready to do that type of repentance. So therefore I don't see restoration coming. You can't, you can't, you cannot sidestep Roe versus Wade and say, oh, we repent. No, that's not repentance. And why I think right now, you know, when you look at that, that, when we cross that Rubicon, that's when this nation really took a downhill, real downhill turn. Much more truth says, Jeremiah 15, Yahuwah won't relent. Mary Trotter says, I finally got him to agree to sell our house so we can get completely out of debt. Well, there you go. Tiny house, tiny house living. There you go. That, that's, that, that's a good way to start. Tiny house living. Of course, you know, I've been looking at uh, property in um, Mississippi and Arkansas because it's so cheap. And then my wife's like, we're not moving there. I'm like, but honey, you know, of course, you know. Yeah, and then on the reality of it is I would not, I don't think, want to live in Mississippi. But, you know, maybe some of you might be in Mississippi and you'll be putting in the chat on just how amazing it really is and that I should move there or Arkansas. But that's where you're going to get most bang for your buck in America is, I believe, Mississippi and Arkansas. But, you know, people say there's a lot of big bugs down there. But, um, yes, I don't know. Anyway, I'm rambling, I'm rambling. But it is amazing. Here in Oregon, we're living, it's extremely expensive. Any of the, the left coast or the right coast. South Dakota looks pretty good to me right now. Any of you in South Dakota? But then you end up moving there, and then what happens? Maybe you get a governor like North Dakota, and then it's all taken away. So, you know, I don't know. Idaho, Idaho's great, except it's going to turn into the new California. That's the problem. It's like Texas. Yeah, Texas is great, but now so many people are leaving California to go to Tex Texas that it's like, oh my goodness, I've seen a lot of lot more Texas plates up here in Oregon and a lot of Californian plates up here. Anyway. Here's a beautiful word from Jose. Bless you, Matthew. If we are willing to love our neighbor and self-sacrifice for them, wouldn't this be a generous act? Yes, it would. Go into the spiritual heart of the matter. Thank you so much. Beautiful word there. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Gabriella Taylor Fair is totally the emoji queen. We won't read all that, but it's very colorful. Appreciate that. Looks good. Looks good. Julia asks a question here for Cameron Milroy. Matthew, please explain the difference between prepping and the rich men who built larger barns. Well, there's a difference between prepping. I do believe that we should be preppers. Yes, we should be prepping. But this isn't 
um, Bill shouldn't be prepping, should be um, bringing in provisions, just as in like the 1940s. You had a milk cow, you had some chickens, you were more sustainable. It's a sustainable living and in the hopes that you can be and help and be your brother's keeper. Building a big barn in our parable there was, was all for total consumption and self-consumption. I think that's different. You know, I think it's a very good idea, especially nowadays, to be prepping. Um, and, and wouldn't the hopes be? My hopes certainly would be, because I love the fellowship, is having the brothers and the sisters around like we had at Suko, and we're all out there, and we're all breaking bread together. We've got the fire going, we've got the guitars going, we're singing some songs, and maybe the generator's going, and we've got a couple of armed sentries, and we're going, all right, here we go. All right? I mean, what times, right, Larry? Larry, why don't you show what you... Come on, come on, Larry. Come up on screen. Show, show what you brought in today. Come on. This is, a, this, is like, this is like school. This is like high school. Show and tell. Show and tell. Because Larry's prepping. Come on, Larry. Come and show and tell. I know you're not... You're, not, you're a little camera shy. Larry's going to show and tell. Come on, come on. Bring your microphone up. I'm going to embarrass Larry here. He does so much behind the scenes. But this is a beauty, isn't it? A little bit of show and tell. Come on now, do it, do it up here so people can see. Don't hide. Larry's prepping. All right, give it to me. I'll, I'll, uh, you guys are all wondering, what is he doing down there? This is live. This is what you get when you're live. All right, let's make room. Let's make room here. Can you guys still see? Yeah, you can get it. You've got it on the... Come on, Larry. Get up here. Let's show, show everybody what, you, what the plan is here. Okay, I'll hold the mic, and you chat it up. Well, it's just a, just a bow. It's a recurve bow. It's a take-down take bow. Oh, it's going to take down. Right. It's a beauty, isn't it? Look at that thing. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you just remove the, the bolts. Yeah. Can you see me? Yeah, you can, you can see us. All right, good, good, good. I want to make sure you're on the right camera here. All right, all right. It takes, it takes about 40 minutes to build. No, it does. By the, time, by the time you build it, the elk is long gone. Right. Now, why, why did you decide to go with a recurve rather than the, the one with all the cogs and the wheels? So... So the compound bow... It, That's the compound it, bow, yes. Right. If, it, <clears throat> if we're out in the wilderness and it breaks, then it's unusable. Uh, this here, uh, I can make my own limbs. Um, it's a process, but... Uh, All right, quickly, so, build it, build it, okay. build it. <clears throat> All right, so this here is the top limb. Yep, yep, yep. We just screw it together and... Uh, so this is a 55-pound bow. It's a little heavy for, for some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, why is it not going in? I'm doing it backwards. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah, so you just put it, put it together and put the string on it and go hunting. It's good for backpacking. Uh, you just slide it right into your backpack. 
And, uh, it was pretty hard to pull back on, though. Tell me how many pounds this was. This is a 55-pound bow. It's 55. A little, it's a little tough for, for some. Uh, well, Larry's going to stay here and build it, so you can watch him build it while I carry on chatting. You stay there and build it, because I think this is great. Again, this is all part of the prepping, too. Which camera are we on, Moshe? Oh, we're up here, up on the center. Thank you. Okay, we're on the center so we can get Larry in. So, yeah, this is, again, all kind of the prepping. Larry, Larry's got a lot of um, great ideas for you there. Um, you can always connect with Larry on Facebook if you want any of those good prepping ideas. So, good stuff, good stuff. Um, now, some people would wonder the difference. Larry, why would we go with this instead of a compound bow or a crossbow? Again, this is going to be something that can be more repaired in the field and longer lasting, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, okay, good, good. All right, I saw Kevin Niebling out here. He um, was fishing yesterday and um, caught himself a massive big fish and sent me a text. That was looking pretty good. Much more truth, says Daryl and his crossbow. Somebody has a crossbow, okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, it's looking good though, isn't it? Mm -hmm. yeah, really. And now the thing with Larry, you see, Larry's a woodworker. So one of the reasons that you got this is you're going to be able to lay up the form and be able to replicate it and make it yourself now. Is that correct? Right. I'll, I'll get the same uh, recurve, the shape, yeah. and, and be able to make my own bows. Fascinating. Okay. <clears throat> Based upon this being kind of like a template. Right. Yeah, very nice. Larry does some woodworking. If any of you guys want some pictures or um, things made, he does some beautiful work, beautiful work. Now, my potato munchkin says that the Amish might be laughing at us in the near future. Why is that? Why will the Amish, Amish be laughing at us? Doug, why would they be? Because they've been doing this for years, and they'd be like, I told you so. Yeah, you guys are a little bit behind the curve here. Yeah, no, no pun intended there. Yes, it's true, it's true. Yes, yes, there's like finally, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm. All right here. We're getting this bow made up here. Funny stuff, funny stuff. Diesel Grandpa says, I believe that Joseph was a prepper and that worked out well. There you go. There you go. Good prepping. Good prepping. Well, we did get some chickens this year, and it has been absolutely um, um, thrilling for the children. They grow very quickly, so we, we, we should be getting lots of lots of egg, lots of eggs in. And we're thinking about maybe doing a miniature cow too, aren't we? Maybe a couple of those little bandits. So that should be fun as well. Now, Kevin Niebling tells us that he just gutted and butchered my first deer this week, too. I've been inspired to hunt now with a bow, and this is further confirmation. Well, there you go. And uh, Larry, look at this thing. You can see it right up there on the YouTube. Look at this. That's a beauty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah look at that. Yeah, yeah. You're going to put the... That's a little bit. We won't bother about that, seeing as we're live. But look at this. Look at this. That is nice. So you can put all different attachments on there. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Got a very nice hand to it. Very nice hand to it. 
Not that Matthew is an expert on the bow or anything. I don't actually have one myself. I would like to get a bow fishing reel uh, to put on there also. Mm. So, really? Like salmon or something like that. Yeah. You just shoot it into the, you mm -hmm. see a salmon swimming along and away you go. Right, right. That's my kind of fishing. <laughs> Kevin Niebling, did you get that? <clears throat> That's the kind of fishing we need to be doing this summer. <laughs> bow fishing. Can you imagine that? Standing up in the middle of the reservoir. <sighs> oh, yeah. That'll be fun. I could get into that. It's a little bit more uh, high adventure fishing than standing there for hours on the side of the bank like, good grief. Let's go around in a speedboat with a bow. Way better. Yeah, I, I could definitely get into that. <laughs> All right. Oh, and much more truth says it's the Hunger Games. Well, that is the plan, unfortunately, that they have been working toward with Agenda 2021 is the Hunger Games, masked banditry and bows and arrows coming your way. Good grief. Who would ever have thought we would be living in such times as these. It is absolutely amazing. Now here we are, T.S. T.S. as in T.S. Eliot says, interested in knowing if Gainesville, M.O., which one's M.O.? Is that, uh, Missouri. that's Missouri, okay. If Gainesville, Missouri is a decent place to live, found some nice land options there, the Ozark County. Well, all I can tell you is I went down to Missouri one time. In fact, that was to, to meet um, Jim Staley. And he met me at the airport and he said, welcome to misery. And it was in the summer. And it was miserable. Oh, it was so oppressive, the, the weather there, that I could not wait to get back to Oregon. And I remember flying into Portland Airport and just thinking, oh, the greenery, oh, the fresh air, oh, the water. And I realized why they all left on the wagon train and came out to the Willamette Valley. So, you know, there is, there is a reason why the land is cheap, because the air and the scenery and the culture is not plentiful. So, yes, that's why some of these places are cheap to live. Now, we'll finish up with Jose down there in the panhandle. He says, Larry, we need some equatorial sundials to measure the tecufa. That would be great. We should make some Torah to the tribe sundials. Yes, coming up soon. I said I'd finish with Jose, but then I saw Mr. Scott, Mr. Bruce Scott popped up and he said, would you consider the thousands of massive caves rich? Hang on a minute. Would you consider the thousands of massive, massive caves rich people and the federal military have built equal to the big barns mentioned in the Bible? I have been in many. You have? You've been in the military um, caves? Interesting. would like to talk to you about that. I think you were in the military, weren't you, Bruce? So, hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. 
Shiloh says, AP News, top 10 U.S. companies owned by China. <laughs> Matthew, I think they will use the concept of ownership or stewardship after the China virus. Wow, it's just, just, just unprecedented times. And I've used that word, overused that word today, but it really is a mind bomb, isn't it? The way that we're, the world that we're living in. I mean, I just, it's just amazing. And then I get into the scriptures and everything just comes alive and starts popping out and popping out and popping out. And it just gives me such a, a security in Yahuwah just to know that we are not alone, that he is with us, that he's orchestrated our days and that he's truly put us. I truly believe it, each and every single one of you out there and here, that he has chosen us to be alive in this time because we're equipped to live in such times like this. We are equipped, we are equipped to thrive whilst others are just trying to survive. We are equipped to thrive. I know it every time I open the scripture, every time I play the scripture to try and sleep at night, the words just come alive to me and it's like, oh my goodness, because there is nothing new under the sun, as Solomon said, and the end and conclusion of the matter is fear Yahuwah and keep his commandments. And in doing so, you shall be generous unto Yahuwah and free from it all. Shabbat Shalom, and we shall catch you live prayerfully next Sabbath.